everybody, this is Mo from Educast EG and you're listening to our podcast, Educast Interviews. In this podcast, I'm joined by ELT professionals in interviews where they suggest answers to questions and offer practical solutions to issues in language teaching and learning. In today's show, I'm joined by the ELT author, the editor, and teacher trainer, Rona Snilling. Hey Rona, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you Mo. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Are you ready for our questions? Absolutely. Great. Before starting our show for today, could you please tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I'm an ELT um, author, speaker, editor, project manager. Um, I uh, don't a little bit about my background as well. Or yeah. Um, so I studied uh, English and linguistics at uni, and afterwards didn't have any idea about what to do whatsoever for a job. But I knew I wanted something to do with English, and I hadn't. I think I'd gone on two holidays before and left England just twice. So I was quite intrigued by some sort of travel. And then the two came together. So I, I did the CELTA and um, uh, with International House, which was fantastic. And that put me on the road to being able to teach abroad in um, Italy, Hungary, New Zealand, back home in England. Um, and yeah, I had a fantastic uh, full-time teaching career, enjoying all of that abroad. And then when I came um, home to England, I then got a job working at Pearson as a development editor for ELT Materials. I was working on cutting edge there Um, because I think like most teachers, we're always into our materials and what we're going to use in class. And we quite like books as well, don't we? So that was a great job for me. Then I moved to uh, OUP and worked on Headway, which was an an amazing experience, just a, a fantastic author team, really, really brilliant experience. And then went freelance maybe 14, 15 years ago. Um, doing editing first of all and then finally got a chance to um, write a sample unit and get a commission to write my first book and I've now done about 20 course books, readers, um, escape games books and all, all the different massive variety we have in ELT for materials. Great, since we're talking today about materials writing Can you tell us about your experience in materials writing in general? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think, as I mentioned, really, I think most teachers, we've always got an eye on the materials and we want to maybe adjust them for our class a bit or we want to write our own materials. That's certainly a very common experience I've felt in International House. We're really encouraged to create and do that. So I think always as a teacher, I was writing worksheets and working out extra activities. Um, And then when I moved uh, into publishing, Editing involves quite a bit of, sometimes you're going to rewrite things or you're going to tweak the material. So again, it's another way of analysing that material, thinking about how that material will play out in a classroom, visualising that. So there's that side of it, producing the materials. And and as I mentioned, I then got my first commission for a, an A2 level uh, speaking uh, self-study book. So And that started me off on that path of trying skills books and then onto course books and um, a reader recently so and I, I deliberately try to try different things in writing and different genres so that I can keep thinking about ELT from different angles you know and keep sort of honing 
my expertise and, and, and learning more and more with writing because there's always something to learn with each project, I think. That's impressive. Here comes another question. What are some of the key considerations and challenges specific to materials writing, especially for low-level learners? Because we deal with all levels of learners, right? Um, so the general challenges, I think we can boil them down and make it super simple, really, and say you're just answering a, a series of simple questions. So who are you writing for? So who are your students? What do they need? Where, what's their background? Where are they at um, in their lives, um, in their linguistic journey? Really knowing your class. Um, if you're writing for a publisher, that's a little bit more difficult because you're never going to meet that class, but you've got... Um, instead, from the publisher, a very detailed brief describing that the profile of the class and the teacher. So you do know your cl that class in a different way, but not quite the same as when we're writing for our own students. So who are the students? Um, why are you creating this material? What's the point of it? What's the purpose? What are the aims? What are the objectives? And to be really clear on that. It might be that you've just you've heard a really great um podcast on the radio or something and you want to use it in your class but then there has to be a need for why it's included in your syllabus and why it's taken up your class time so why you're doing it um what it is you're going to do so again revisiting those aims making sure all your activities and every um exercise on that worksheet is working towards that overall aim and objective what's going to achieve that in a good way and then you want to think about when you're doing the writing so at what point in the course are you going to have that speaking lesson? At what point are you going to do the grammar? And within your lesson, where how do you want to play the, the shape of the lesson? Do you want to follow you know, PPP lessons? Do you want to do a dogma lesson? Be really clear about when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. So I think those simple questions really, who is it you're writing for? Why are you writing for them? What is it you're going to write? When and how? Is it going to happen? That's the main things. And for lower level learners, um, that's definitely where I've uh, got the most of, of my writing. And I think the key things there are to make sure, be really, really strict with yourself on the level and make sure that the language you're going to use is graded. That doesn't mean babified or simplified or silly or childish. It just means being really mindful uh, with your teacher talk time when you're in the class, how you're going to chat. So if you run in late and you go, oh, I'm really sorry, I got, I got stuck in traffic and then my car wouldn't start and then I had to go have a coffee and then I spilled coffee. Blah, blah, blah. And maybe for an A1 class, sorry, I'm late. You don't need to blah, 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 away. So it's being really, really aware of what you're outputting. And the same for your materials. You're not writing a really long rubric which says, read the article below and then discuss with a partner about five things in this article that you really liked and that you checked, blah, 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 blah. blah. Again, make it just more concise and more simple. Read and answer the questions. Just always making sure you're doing something that's achievable, but with that little bit of stretch. So there's a little bit of learning, but it's not, it's not too challenging. And what strategies do you usually use to simplify complex concepts or language for low-level learners? I tend to avoid anything that's too complex and is not going to be you know i'm not going to teach the third conditional for example that said actually <laughs> just to contradict myself totally it's not the third conditional but relatively recently i did teach some a1 a2 students present perfect continuous because um i know it, it sounds <laughs> everyone's having minor heart attack but that's because their need knowing them they were doing a presentation and they needed to talk about stuff that they had they have been working on 
So part of their presentation, their speaking skills was, we've been working on, we've been studying, and so they needed that tense. So now and again, I think that's absolutely fine knowing that rather challenging bit of grammar because they need it. And it, it, it's very much needs-based, I think. So as much as we want to think we're going to follow in the verb to be, um, present simple, the different verb, the different uh, verb endings, different spellings, the negative form, the question form, as much as we want all that very basic, the, the building blocks. Now and again, if you need something else, I, I would um, encourage you to be brave and throw something in if your students need it. Absolutely. <laughs> That's interesting. You know, Rana, um, from my experience in teaching, the most difficult tenses I've dealt with in the classroom were the present perfect continuous and the present perfect or you know the perfect tenses because it doesn't exist in our own native language and what was more difficult was that the teachers and learners were shocked when seeing that they didn't have time to introduce topics so that they can review at the beginning of the other levels it's that's that's really interesting because I think also thinking about rubrics and what you're going to say to students having using all the meta language that we use as teachers it's all very well for us to say superlatives present perfect and actually do does an A1 A2 student need to have the confusion of these strange words it's just like another another thing to deal with it and it's a bit for me I always feel what I love about this level is is the emotional side of it and when you see that oh something sticks and it works and there's a sentence coming out and there's that confidence and then that sentence becomes two sentences and you can see that progression it's just fantastic because hand in hand with that there's that whole vulnerability of this level that i think it's certainly my experience of anecdotally and what i read online that this is the level where students will disappear and retention is an issue if there's a lesson that's too challenging a teacher who is not sympathetic to where they're at and doesn't help them why are they going to come back to the next lesson you know we have to keep we've got to keep things particularly at this level be really vigilant and keep things as achievable as we can but with that um that little push like that the comprehensible input hypothesis in it just sort of pushing that there's a little bit more but not too much to scare you and, and send you running away yeah that's right uh and what advice would you give aspiring materials writers who are interested in creating resources not only for low-level learners but for all levels of learners you hopefully know your class better than anyone and that that's where you want to start for materials writing why am i writing this material who am i writing it for so do it if you're thinking about it then maybe that's because you know that that lesson you did last week on the verb to be maybe they're not they need a bit more input on that and then a bit more practice so i'm going to create a really nice practice activity it might be something to do at home just a very simple mechanical written exercise it might be a fun activity in class whatever it is you've you kind of instinctively feel you've got that need to write so then push it analyze it a bit more why you're writing it what your aims are all those things we we spoke about earlier and then I think what's really important try it out be prepared that it might be good it might not be good it might need to be improved swap it with a friend online or in the staff room and and keep sort of trying and seeing what works and and that's going to give you that honed material and make it a that little bit more successful in the classroom 
One last thing. What are the services do you offer other than being a materials writer and editor? Um, anything related to ELT, really. So I, I do uh, quite a lot of speaking at, at webinars. I've got a couple of conferences um, coming up in October, which are about lower levels. Um, I do a bit of editing still now and again on ELT materials and project managing of projects. I think probably 90% of my time is the creation of content. Um, so it's nice to have a little bit of variety sometimes and do some of the more managerial stuff, but the creation is uh, lovely. And as I said earlier, there's so much breadth in ELT when I think I've done a, a video course earlier this year, which was just fascinating to learn, to think about language in that way. And when you've got that added dimension of an actual physical presence and how that really helps with comprehension and understanding for lower levels. Oh, fantastic. There's so much more context there. Um, so a bit of a bit of video work, um, a reader I've recently done, which was really interesting. So. I'm always sort of interested in any new ELT ideas, anything that keeps us thinking about how we're going to teach and how students are going to learn. All good. Thanks a lot, Rona, for accepting my invitation and being a guest in our interviews. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure, Mo. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And now we've come to the end of our show for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening and see you in another episode. Thank you.